Hey everybody, it's Rajesh here. And Tane here. Welcome to our podcast, Baskets of Knowledge, Chats with a Difference. In our podcast, we invite guests from around the country and around the world to talk about how they got to where they are at the moment. It's about a journey, it's about an experience, it's about their life. Good everybody. Welcome to another episode of Baskets of Knowledge, um, episode number who knows. And um, hey Tane, how are you going today? Yeah, good, thanks. It's still sunny. We're heading into summer now, so good times ahead. Yeah, brilliant. And what have you put into your basket of knowledge since we last spoke? I guess probably the biggest thing now that everything's starting to slow down a bit is, you know, that sometimes you don't realise how good you had it until, you know, things start changing. And I guess, you know, as I'm finishing the end of my degree and, you know, everyone's moving out of the hall, it's, I'm starting to realise, you know, some of these people, uh, some of these guys, you know, didn't probably spend enough time with or get to know as much. And, I guess that's always the fear, you know, when people move on to better things is, you know, like you wish you probably got to know them a bit more, but at the same time, you know, you can also remember all the good memories that you made with certain people as well. Yeah, it's crazy. Her life is very transitional. You know, you have you have these relationships that happen and some of them are transitional. They happen for the point in time. So for you, for this year, okay, cool. Some of them will, will last long, you know, like you and I, when we first connected all those years ago, who would have thought that we'd be still talking off? Not that we're gonna fight, but you know, it's just crazy how those things happen. So, you know, you'll find the people that will they're part of your life at that point in time and then they move on and that's all good. And they've left something either good or bad in your life as you move on. I think that just dovetails really really well into my biggest learning since I since we last spoke. I think it's basically around um just respect, you know, respecting that everyone has a different different map of the world. And I think it's very hard for us in our in our lives to forget that. The way I look at something and the way you look at something at the exact same thing is very, very different, and there's no right or wrong. And I think um, too much of our time is spent trying to go, "Hey, this is the right way, this is the wrong way," as opposed to trying to understand how both ways could be correct or how both ways could be wrong. And um, yeah, and it's a bigger learning that I had, a big revelation I had, I guess, in the last few few weeks or so. But hey, as always, we're not here to talk talk to each other. Um, we're here to uh, talk to our guests. And as always, um, to our um, regular listeners, you know that we go around the country and around the world to find people that we think are interesting and amazing. And we think the world is full of amazing people, interesting people to share their stories. And with that, we'd like to welcome to our podcast today, Nora. Welcome to our podcast, Nora. Hi, guys. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. We're so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. Nora, before we get started, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and where you are at this point in time in your life? Sure. So um, if you guys don't know me, my name is Nora. I'm originally from Auckland. I'd love to say Christchurch. I am from Christchurch, but I'm originally from Auckland, grew up in Auckland, went to school in Auckland, and then I moved down to Christchurch in 2017 to study a Bachelor of Sport Coaching. Um, went to go on after my degree to do a grad diploma in marketing got in about three weeks in and I thought this is not me and then started doing a postgrad in sports science and then halfway through the year I was doing a really cool internship and then my supervisor said hey why don't you just change it to a master's just do your thesis next year and I was like cool so completed my master's last year and I also work at Les Mills and right now I'm doing um, working in IT doing data analysis and loving the gym 
loving Christchurch and yeah, loving life. <laughs> oh, oh, brilliant! That's such a great, great introduction because there's so much that we can we can delve into. There's a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, should we start right, right at the beginning? So, um, living in Auckland now, and you you almost said that you well, basically you basically said I'm living I'm from Christchurch. What does mm. that feel like? You know, growing up in Auckland now making Christchurch your home. How does that? Auckland, every time I go back to Auckland now, having lived in Christchurch now for six years, I always just get blown away with how many people there are, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing, Um, and it's really different going back to Auckland now because my parents, we grew up in Epsom, we have a house in Epsom, but my parents now um, live in Wellington, then my dad got another job in Wellington, so they moved there about three years ago, so going back home to Auckland isn't actually home anymore because yes we have our family home but my we get rent it gets rented out to my sister and her fiance so I don't really technically have a home in Auckland anymore like my home is still there but it's just my room's not there anymore my childhood my childhood room's not there anymore so it's really different going back home to Auckland I don't I don't tend to go back very often um if I do go, go back home it's to see my parents in Wellington but it's a completely different lifestyle compared to Auckland and Christchurch like there's a lot less people in Christchurch a lot less traffic. Um, it's definitely quiet in Christchurch, which I do like, but there are bits of Auckland that I do miss in terms of like my friends and I've got a little bit of family up there and stuff, but I would definitely say Christchurch now is is probably home. It's so crazy, you know, because the word the word home mm. just mean you know, it's it just means so much to and so many different things. Like for example, I'm gonna go to Tana now. Tana, where where's home for you? Because you've you said you're from Taranaki, we know that. Your family lived there, but you've been living there for three years. What does that feel like for you? Yeah, it was definitely a change of perspective, especially after the first year. I guess, you know, during first year, you have the comfort of the hall. And so, you know, when you do go home, it's still new to you. It's still fresh to you. And so it's unlucky very much felt like home. But I guess this year when I went home during the middle of the year, I realized that, you know, everything's continued going. You know, my parents, my family, they all have their own schedule to live by now. And so I'm not really a part of New Plymouth anymore whereas you know down here I've got my friends I've got my second family if you will you know so it's really mm. been a change of perspective but also knowing that you know Taranaki will always have a special place for me for the values I learned um, growing up and how I take them into the world. And I guess you know it all depends on where the home is your physical the physical material thing whether it's where your whanau and your family are you know like you said Nora your parents now live in Wellington so home for you is seeing them in a whole different mm. way. But yeah, home, home doesn't necessarily have to be like a physical house. Yeah. You know, it can be people, it can be um, community, it can be a gym. Um, yeah. yeah. So many different ways to look at home. That's mm-hmm. a definition of home. Mm. And and talking about home and definitions of home, if I said to you, Nora, Nora said, hey, you're 30, Nora. Hey, you're 30, Nora. When you finish up, you in a few years' time, you're going to be doing a master's. You have a master's. What would you have said to me at that point in time? Oh, she would have, like, no idea that, she would have been doing her masters because initially when I was in year 13 I just wanted to go away from home I said right I want to go to well I said to my mom I said I want to go to Wellington for uni she said a what are you going to study and b Wellington's a very expensive city to live in um, like what are you going to do and I said I don't know I just want to move away from home and a lot of my friends were going to Dunedin but I wasn't quite keen on Dunedin I just was really set on Wellington for some reason and she said, well, figure out what you want to do and then we can go from there. And I was like, well, I don't know, don't know what I want to do. So we did lots of researching and we found that there was a Bachelor of Sport and Rec 
that was available but it was in the north shore in Auckland and I was like I don't really want to commute to the north shore every day as you know Auckland traffic going from Epsom to north shore would take about probably 45 to an hour and then the next kind of option was Christchurch because my mum's got a business here and my brother was also down there studying too mum said why don't you check out Christchurch and see what it's like so we booked a flight down we went to the open um the open the 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 tour around Christchurch and I like fell in love I was like my brother's here like the campus is really cool it's in a really cool suburb um the city's really cool it's like you know being developed really well and I was like yep gonna go to Christchurch and the plan was originally three years and then go find a job but there were so many of us, so many of my friends, which I call home now as well, um, that were still staying down in Christchurch. And I thought, you know, why not um, study some more? And I really enjoyed study as well. So I was like, why not do another extra year? And then after that, I was like, why not do another extra year? And yeah, five years later, a lot of debt, but lots of happy memories, lots of friends made, and I wouldn't have changed it for the world. Absolutely not. And it's so crazy how, how that life plan changes, right? You know, mm. I mean, for example, when I came to New Zealand, my life plan was to do two years master's, then off I go find a find a job and blah, 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 blah. That didn't happen. That mm. did not happen. You, know? mm. um, you get into a PhD program and then you start mm-hmm. doing that there and then all these other opportunities come up and you're like, ah. So, you know, um, all based on plans just go out the window. And it's easy to say that in hindsight. It's crazy as well. When, because I've been for a few job interviews this year and always, they always ask me, the same question like where do you see yourself in five years and I I, I, I hate that question like, I gotta yeah. say I'll be honest with you I really really hate that question because I like I have some sort of plan but like it changes so so often like depending on your circumstances so I like never really know how to answer it like I don't know where I want to be in five years because there's so many different things that I want to do and there's so many different opportunities that get offered to me which I am not like which which I'm yeah. not, not aware about so yeah, it's a really hard question. I don't really like when interviewers ask that, in my opinion. I think, I think it's a very archaic question. I think it's archaic because maybe 20 or 30 years ago, there was set job. You know, you just get into a job and this is your, your growth. Mm. But the world at the moment is what's going to happen next week. Like you said before, you have no idea what opportunity is going to arise. Exactly. And, you know, you've got to be open. You know, it's very different if you say, this is what I'm going to be in five years. And then you block every opportunity that comes forward. So yeah, I think they need to get rid of that question. It's a terrible question. Mm. <laughs> Or if you go, I don't know, they're like, oh, this, what's up with this person? You're like, I actually, yeah. really, I actually really don't know. <laughs> it's so, so crazy. Um, let's, talk about, let's talk about sports. Has, was that something big? You know, you mentioned that sports sports rec was what you're looking to study. Is that Has it always been a big, big part of your life? Or? Sport, yes. Ever since a young age, mum and dad. Um, swimming, competitive yeah. swimming. Did a bit of hockey and a little bit of cycling, but I definitely loved competitive swimming. Mum and dad have been marathon runners for god a while a while like maybe 30 years um and they still run as well they still do marathons together dad's getting a little bit old though um but so like running and sport and everything and movement and exercise has always just been instilled into our family so from a young age always um you know doing doing sports doing exercise we got put put into swimming lessons very early on maybe like three or four as kids and just continued all the way up and I stopped I got to year I think I got to year 13 and I stopped every sport I stopped cycling and I stopped swimming and mum said you need to find like a way you know you need to find like a pathway of exercise or just like something to do and I was like oh 
can I join a gym? Like, can I please join a gym? Because this leads into my other part of my life. But there was a Les Mills opening up in Newmarket in Auckland, which is very close to my house. And all my friends had been going to Les Mills in Auckland City, but it was a little bit out of the way for me, for my home. Um, so when the new market went open, I was like, please, mum, can I join this gym? Can I join this gym? And she's like, oh, okay. And she was like, how are you going to pay? And I was like, I'll pay like a little bit of it, but like, can you please help me out for a bit? So yeah, sure. And then I joined the gym, Les Mills New Market. I think it was year 12. Yes, it would have been year 12. And that leads into another part of my journey, which is Les Mills, which I, I met you from, P. Yeah, totally. And we'll talk about that. Yeah. And I guess, you know, it's pretty interesting because you knew what you liked. And was that? So I guess there's two two questions here. So you joined the gym, you joined the Les Mills, which is, we'll talk about in a bit. Was that also the reason why you wanted to study sports type stuff? Was it because you joined the gym or was it because sports is instilled in your family? And, um, um, it was a little bit of both. Yeah. I just, I just didn't want to do, yeah, I just really enjoyed the aspect of movement and sport and it like really interested me like PE in year 12, 11 12 13 was like a massive and my, one of my favorite subjects I did scholarship PE and everything um so I always had that kind of like growth yeah. I mean something like that passion sorry for exercise and movement and sports and I just thought it would be a really interesting degree as opposed to maybe like a commerce or like a science degree not saying those degrees are boring but I kind of wanted a more practical and hands-on degree and I wanted um, that really, I really wanted that for my tertiary education so I chose that avenue um, yeah, sports guess, yeah and I guess that's back to you Tana because when I first met you all those years ago you had all these options right and because you're you were a pretty um, high level rug, rugby league player and that was a big part of your life and I still remember the conversation we had about whether you should do physiotherapy or or specs or or, or BCom and or everything was that also like like Nora said was it also a a fact in choosing what you wanted to do yeah for sure and I guess um leading into year 12 and 13 because I had this narrative of oh you should do physio when you're older that's a good job you know you get a good job out of it that was always what I strive to do and so unfortunately I went down the route of you know doing the three sciences English math and uh, economics as my six options and so I didn't actually get the opportunity to do any NCA level um, I've done level one, but I didn't do the two or level three in terms of PE. And I guess reflecting back on it, you know, I do regret not taking it over, um, you know, like physics, which I didn't really have a passion for, but I was more doing it because, you know, that's what was said I needed to go into physiotherapy where, you know, looking back, I should have done something I was interested in. But I guess at the same time, it allowed me to realize that sport was actually a big part of my life that I enjoyed outside of study. And so then that led to the passion of, oh, what if I do actually, you know, go and study it, look at what actually sport has or holds in society. Yeah, and, and you know, it's really interesting because and when you're younger, some of us don't have the the advantage of our family or father saying, hey, you can do what you're passionate about. It's always about, hey, what job are you going to be getting? Tell us about mm. the job. And that's really quite hard, right? Um, and quite challenging sometimes. Was that, was that ever an issue for you, Nora, with your family? Or were they like, hey, you study your thing? and Not at all. Um, I come from an Asian background, and there's obviously that stereotype of, you know, um, get yourself, like, a job that's going to be high-paying and, um, you know, show solitude and, um, you know, to your family and everything. But mum and dad aren't as traditional as 
yeah it's good they're not they're not traditional so they've always pushed me to do you know what I want in life same goes with my sister and my brother we're we're an Asian family but we don't typically have like an Asian a stereotypically Asian jobs um my brother's in the um he does he did a bachelor of criminal justice and now he works in the courts and my sister's a primary school teacher and me I work as a lesbos instructor and I work in IT which is not really what you see um coming from a stereotypical Asian family you know you have the lawyers and the doctors and the engineers and stuff but mum and dad are so um so loving and so 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 honest with us that they they just want us to do what we love which is I really appreciate um and yeah which is really beautiful because you know I wish a lot more families would have that you know I I work in a, in a space where I see young people that have a passion for something mm. but, but the parents go nah that's not going to mm. get your job so you you just crawl this passion and you can see the sadness and the joy disappearing and a bit like you Tana you know I guess at that point you know you didn't like physics but you did it because it was an, a means to an end and at that point in time but how well you know life, life carries on at least you found what you want to do so I'm going to come back to, you know, so you you came to the University of Canterbury, which is a great place. And mm-hmm. um, apart from the study that you're doing, which you obviously enjoyed, what other things did you start getting involved in that actually grew you as a person that you're like, hey, actually, these are some cool things that I'm actually passionate about. The reason I ask is because university or tertiary provides these things that, like I said before, you have no idea. Mm. And you fall into things, you go, whoa, this is really cool, very different. Probably Liz Mills. Yeah. So... For my degree, there was a paper that we had to do called practicum. So it's basically you choose a workplace and you have to do a certain amount of hours there. So that was when I was doing my second major, when I changed to my second major of SNC. And then I thought, hmm, I was I was really confused on who, where would I go for my practicum. And I had already started going to Les Mills in Christchurch for about, I think, maybe six months. And then I always thought about group fitness instructing. I really enjoyed so taking it back to Newmarket and Les Mills. My first ever class was the one that got me really hooked onto group fitness. It was a, I can still remember it really clearly. It was a Monday night body attack class, 6.15 or 6, 6.15 PM, 60 minute. And I still remember the instructor's name. His name's Ben Main. And he's quite very, he actually went to Dunedin as well to study. He's quite high up in Les Mills. But anyway, I remember going to his class and I was instantly hooked. Um, the music, the movement, the energy, and its ability to like inspire people to work and to be together for this short amount of time. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. I was just so hooked. Anyway, fast forward a little bit more. Three years later, I was going to the gym in Christchurch and I was also studying my degree. And I thought about group fitness. And I actually had a friend, Savannah Palmer, who lives up in Auckland and she's a group fitness instructor up in Auckland. She's really, really, really high up in Lewis Mills as well. And she'd been posting. She just started her group fitness journey, and I thought this was such a cool idea. So I ended up going to a class and talking to an instructor there, not knowing that she actually was the group fitness manager in Christchurch. Anyway, she was like, I'm actually the group fitness manager. Um, do you want to come for like a trial kind of thing? So all I had to do was go to one of her classes, and she'd just kind of see and sit up in front of her, and she'll kind of see how I move. And so I did that on the Friday, Friday morning, 6 a.m. grit class. And then afterwards she messaged me. She's like, you move really well. Um, we're really excited and we're really interested to have you on the uh, on the team. Like, when can you start? So pretty much started July or June 2018. And for Lesmos, you have to kind of do a module before you get certified. And it's basically a two-day learning 
module where you learn everything about Les Mills, how to teach, how to instruct, all the layers for coaching and everything. So I attended that and then got certified in November. And before all of that, I was kind of a very shy, reserved kind of person like in class I would never put my hand up um and I've always been like that as well even in primary school my primary school teacher this is going on a bit of a tangent my primary school teacher in year three said to my mom at primary school teacher interviews Nora needs to take more risks in class and that's like still stuck with me for like my entire life because I remember in throughout all of primary school I would hide behind people and would be sitting on the floor and questions would be asked in, um, in class and I would hide behind the person in front of me just so I wouldn't get called out and just so I wouldn't like be picked on and that was like throughout all of like year six a little bit of high school as well but not so much but throughout from one year one to six I was so so shy and then leading up to uni as well I was a little bit shy too and Les Mills like honestly brought me out of my shell like I would not have imagined talking on a podcast about my life right now I was so shy, so reserved, and I wouldn't be able to, I couldn't talk to people, like, I, I really struggled to talk to people and be able to relate to someone, but now I do that, like, every day, like, I go to class for Les Mills, and I'll be able to speak to someone that I've never talked to before in my life and spark a conversation with them, so I really think Les Mills not only changed myself, but it just, like, yeah, it really brought me out of my shell, and it really, really helped me become who I am today and helped with my confidence, um, yeah, four That's years great. on. It's crazy, right? It goes back to that what we said before. You have no if I asked this question five years ago before you started, and if you were in a job interview and I said, What are you gonna do in five years? You would never say Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so crazy, right? Mm. You just went to you just spoke to a, a group present manager, mm. boom, 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 things happen, right? And it's really quite crazy for me because I I've just gotten to know you this year. And if you said to me when I first met you that you were a shy person, I'd be like, get out of here. <laughs> this is quite an amazing revelation today. Um, and you know, because it's growth. Growth happens in when you are tested in those, in those com uh, those points of discomfort. Mm. So, so you, you, so here you are. You're doing the Lismal stuff at the same time. You're studying at the same time. And how do those worlds now start clashing? Start start growing together? Because now you're actually applying what you are learning, I guess, in real life. And it's not just theory. Mm. What, is that like? what is that like for you? Because I guess you go to class and be like, this is the theory of blah blah. But actually, in class, mm. it doesn't it doesn't work like that. I'm just, I'm just I assuming. think. I think what sets me apart from other instructors is I've got that high knowledge. I've got my master's. Um, I've had, I've got a degree in sports science. So I think that sets me well in front of lots of instructors in terms of I know all of the psychological benefits that why we're doing this exercise and why it's going to benefit us. So it's really cool. I, I When I did my sport exercise paper, physiologi physi physiological paper, in third year and that was when I was really starting to grow myself as an instructor and we were learning about you know the muscles in the body and what kind of effect HIIT training has on like a participant and the anaerobic um, slash aerobic um, results from exercise and I was able to apply that in my classes and I really feel like that helps in terms of bringing members back and why I have um, quite high numbers in my class is because They've got a better understanding of, you know, why we're doing this exercise and what this is going to do for them. So it's being able to provide them with, you know, that that little bit of extra information where they're hooked by that psychological benefits. And yeah, so it's really cool being able to blend, you know, my knowledge or my degree into my career at Les Mills or my passion at Les Mills. 
um yeah and that's so true because you know where sometimes you go into a gym or you're doing a workout and you have no idea you're like okay i'm doing this here but mm. what is it it feels hard but what am i actually doing so it's awesome that when you have that background and i appreciate it when i when i go to a class or i go to a session where they go okay cool you're doing this because this is this is what's happening oh actually i'm not just doing this here just for fun you know and i think mm. it's really awesome and it's, it's awesome that you're allowed to blend that in to your um your, your training as well and your teaching um so you, you're doing this which is really really cool and so now for those of you that don't know much about les mills les mills has got crazy amounts of classes you know they've got amazing classes here so did you start with grit was that your first class that you, your first module or how did you yeah start? so my first program was grit and it's a it's one of the newish programs maybe it's it's been around for maybe like 10 or eight years i think no 10 years exactly 10 years this year 10 years i'm pretty sure because we've had 40 releases so been on for 10 years so it's semi-new and i started in 2018 so i've done this program for four years now and then i really enjoyed that was teaching for over a year and I really wanted to do another program and I was choosing between sprint and attack for ages sprint and body attack and there was one instructor who was quite high, quite high up in Les Mills with a body in terms of body attack and he really wanted me to go to body attack he's like come on Nora like, let's um, I'm ready to train you up everything but then I ended up choosing sprint which is how I met P and so I chose sprint did my module in 2020 and then yeah after that I did body attack. So last year I did body attack. And so I'm certified in three programs. So sprint, grit, which are both high intensity interval training programs, and then body attack, which is like an aerobic style sports inspired workout, which has been around for years. Like that's like the OG kind of Les Mills program. Yeah, so it's pretty awesome. Um, and I mean, I like like you said, I'm very lucky to come to your classes. What I'd like to ask you is, um, when you are going to your classes, one of the key things I've noticed is you is you connect with with the people that come to your class. Mm. Is there something that you actively set out to do? So when you go into a class and you see fifty people or whatever, are you consciously going, "Cool, I need to make, I need to"? to I mean, it's not a conscious thing, but is just something that you go, "Hey, this is what I'm going to do," or is it something that you have to you have to? All right, I need to do this sort of thing. It's something I've been taught by. An instructor at Lismore's Christchurch, Bevan James Isles, yeah. who is this amazing, amazing um, man, like incredible mentor to me, incredible friend, and an incredible person. Uh, don't know if your listeners know who Bevan James Isles is. He's pretty big in the fitness industry. He's um, marathon runner, Ironman, big in Lismore's, and he's got his own podcast as well. He's written a book, so he's really awesome. And I think it was maybe last year. I wasn't so plateauing with my instructing, but I wouldn't connect as much as I would. I would kind of just walk into, go to class, walk into the gym, and then go straight to straight to teach. Like I, I, I wouldn't. You say you you say that I'm a good connector now, but I wasn't really in the past. And I think it kind of this is. I feel like I've only kind of kind of come out of my shell maybe end of last year and start of this year. And Bevan kind of noticed it. He would say, I can see you like you're such a great instructor. You teach so well. You say all these amazing things. You know, you say all those good psychological benefits and everything, but you're not connecting. You're not connecting before class. You're only connecting after class. So I would connect after class. I would stand by the door and I would say bye. But before the class, I'd kind of just walk into the room, put my music on and be like, yep, let's start the class. So everyone's like, it's it starts with, you know, the 
your your class starts before you start your class like it starts it pretty much starts the minute you walk out of your car and you walk into the gym that's when you start yeah. and I think that that's what sets Lesmos apart from or oh, Lesmos Christchurch apart from maybe other gyms or other clubs is we're huge 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 and connecting and I find if I connect with someone before class even though it finding out someone's new name I teach 100 times better I'm not sure what 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 it is behind it but it's just I just I for example last week last Thursday I walked up to body attack we always arrive 10 minutes earlier me and Bevan walked up to body attack and I saw someone that I'd never seen before in my life like a new person and I walked up to her and I said hey how are you what was your name we started talking and it turns out that was her very first lesbos class oh, that wow. she's ever going to go to um, she just joined the gym like the day before and knowing that I was like I really want to have a really like strong impact on her first class because taking it back to my first class like I said it was like momental for me like it was so so inspiring and I was like I really want that you know I want that same feeling for her so yeah connection so it's gone on a huge tangent but I just I just love connecting with people before class I'm finding out someone's name talking about their day talking about their week because we like to say no matter what shitty day someone's had no matter what bad day someone's had they have still come to that class to work out with me and that for me is like I'm so grateful for that you know so making sure they feel appreciated that they've come to work out with me for the 30 45 minutes is really something that I want members to know and so that starts with connecting starts with acknowledging their presence in the class and yeah so that's that's why I'm huge on connection especially now this year coming more out of my shell I think I'm really starting to find myself as an instructor I think even after three four years of teaching I feel like I'm getting better and better and better better. and I think that's that's really important because I think it's very easy to plateau very easy Mm. to go into the thing and off you go and some people do that thing you know I go to some places and people just they come and play the music and that's it you get your work Mm -hmm. happy days all cool but I'm never going to remember that class yeah you know that's it and i think the connection is pretty key and i think i'm going to bring in tana because um the last thing last time we spoke about your 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 passion for teaching in in schools and i guess like nora said that the teaching starts before you even get to get to your to your school is there something that you resonate with because i know you're big with connection as well Tane. yeah and i guess that's probably something i really struggled with with my practicum this year you know was that going into the school being in the position I'm in, it wasn't like I was going in to be the sole teacher or the one who's leading it. And especially when I was only going in once a week, it was hard to really draw out those strong connections. And yes, I found ways, you know, to get to know a few students' names so that I could interact and they would know, oh, he actually does know who we are. But I never really got to know, you know, what they'd done outside of class or what it was that they enjoyed about um, doing PE and you know, especially in that year nine and year 10 phase where PE is still compulsory, but not everyone is, you know, wanting to necessarily be there. It was definitely challenging, you know, when I already know that they don't want to be there to then have little to no connection with them because, of course, they're not going to engage if I'm not, you know, if I don't even know who they really are. So that was probably the biggest struggle. And I guess that's something I think, you know, the strongest teachers do is, you know, they have that connection beyond what's going on inside the classroom because in reality that's such a small proportion of what these students are going through in their lives and so you know small things like asking them you know how their sport was how their music is going whatever they're doing outside of school you know it's like oh they're 
the teacher actually knows what I'm doing outside of class. It's not just about me coming here and showing up and that's what they're doing and that's what they're getting paid to do. Mm. Yeah, and I think I think the the parallels are, you know, for Nora, in Nora's case, people choose to come to class. There's, they've made an active decision to actually come to class. So therefore, the fact that they're there is for whatever reason it is. And Tane, in your case, people have to be there, you know, they're at school because they have to go to school. So one is I, I'm coming by choice and one is I have no choice, I have to come to school. But again, at the end of the day, the connection is what, what really keeps people there. Otherwise, you know, why would you stay and why would you go? I think it's um, Tane, sorry, what you said about, you know, remembering little bits of information about them. For me, this is my hack as an instructor. I don't know if other instructors do this, but I have a list of names on my phone because there's so many people that come to the gym and there's only so many faces and names and um, things I can remember. So I actually have a notes app on my phone of all the members that I know and I've got different things that relate to them. So for one week, for example, one of my members, Brendan, he got a puppy and I'll remember that for next week and I'll pop it down and then I can be like, hey, Brendan, like, how was your, how's your puppy going? So, and it just really makes them feel appreciated. Like you said, Tani, like, you know, that you're not just there just to teach a class, you know, you're there to connect and you're there to, you know, be a havoc community and stuff like that. So, yeah, I really think I really um, relate to that. I'd love to see what your notes on me are. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there. We won't go there. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so it's so crazy those those little things, those little hacks, you know. When I when I go to school as well, like you say, if mm. someone says something, you're like, oh, I gotta remember that. And the crazy thing, I don't know whether you find this, is they go, Wow, you actually remember that. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. That's, that's they don't care about what you thought. Wow, you actually remember that, and that's the greatest joy in the whole wide world when that when that reaction happens. Um, I'm gonna turn back and change topic just a little bit. So mm -hmm. you. You, the Lismos is a big part of your life, and it's, mm -hmm. it's awesome. It's awesome the impact that you have there. Mm -hmm. But let's go back to your your learning side. So you've did you've done your masters, um, yep. which is pr pretty awesome. And I know you've told me this, and but I'm going to ask you anyway. So you you've, you've done your masters, and at the, the next stage is obviously a PhD. And yep. you said you enjoy learning, and um, is there something that's that's on your horizon at some point? I mean, I know we can't say what's going to happen in the next few years, but yeah, is that um you know learning is fun. Yeah, so I did my master's and my degree, well, my master's was called Master's of Sports Science, but my thesis and the internship that I did wasn't really sports science related. It was more like education, education research, I would say. So I did my thesis on the development of leadership in an engineering program at university and that is a very niche topic and because of that I had my supervisors say you know there's an opportunity for you to do PhD so October last year I applied for the scholarship called the UC Accelerator Scholarship and it's for like the top performing um, academics at uni um, university they only give out I think 40 and they reserve uh, 10 for Māori and Pacifica students so probably like 30 they give out to postgrad students and it basically it's funding for three years for your PhD and yeah funding pretty much funding for three years for, throughout your PhD 28k per year and yeah for three years so I applied for that scholarship ended up getting that scholarship 
and at the same time I was also applied for a job a really cool job with the University of University Student Association as a club development coordinator so I got the job I got the club development coordinator job and then I also got the PhD scholarship and I was like oh god what am I going to do like I had to choose between two because I obviously can't do both um I'm not going to do a PhD and a full-time job that'd be a bit too hard because I was going to do because the PhD scholarship the requirements were full-time study so 30 hours a week 28 hours a week of you know PhD work and I pretty much in October last year had a decision to make do I dive into a career first or do I start my PhD and I went on back and forth for two weeks straight I should have just made a decision on like day one but I was like I need heaps of time to think about it which probably made it worse Anyway, I ended up choosing the PhD scholarship. And before you start the actual scholarship, you have to do like a summer project kind of thing. So they pay you, I think it's like $6,000. And you have to do kind of like a few things that help with your PhD. So you can either do like a literature review or like a little, a little mini study, um, anything that's related to your actual PhD topic. So I started doing it in summer 2021, so December last year. I was doing like a literature review and I was trying to get one, a little bit of my paper published to be in a journal article. And I started doing it and I was like, oh, I don't really like this. Like, I don't really want to do this. And I don't know, oh, you obviously know this, Pete. Publishing an article is really hard. Like, it's really, really hard. Like, academic writing is is so, so challenging. So I started doing it. I started, like, you know, trying to publish bits of my thesis and I would send it to my supervisors and it would come back and it would have all these like red dots and like red notes and editing saying, no, no, this is wrong. And I was like, what am I doing so wrong? Like I got like a really good mark in my thesis and I did really well in my thesis. How am I finding like this academic style of writing like so challenging? Like it's completely different. Anyway, started doing, I was like, maybe got to January and I'd finished the project and you have to apply again for your PhD scholarship. You've so you've done your, your summer project. You have to apply again for your PhD scholarship. And I applied for it and I sat on it and I got it again. Like I officially got it. And then I think it was about Easter, April. It was March. March I was like on the fence about it. I was like, I don't think I want to do this. But I hadn't told my mum yet because mum was a massive part in choosing why I should do PhD because she said, I'm really, really lucky. She said, if you choose PhD because you're still studying, because I, when I went the children, when us, us children study, she's paid for like rent and um, groceries yeah. and stuff for the last three years, which I'm so grateful for. Well, last five years actually now, because all oh, I've been studying for five years. So she was like, since you're technically still studying, I'll pay for your rent and your power and everything for the next three years if you choose PhD. And I was like, yes free rent <laughs> yeah I'll do it <laughs> what, what a sweet deal yeah totally <laughs> yeah um and then it was came to March and I was like oh mum's like you know sorted this all out for me she's willing to pay my rent for three years do I stick it out and but I didn't want to do it like I, but my head and my heart wasn't there and I was like, I don't know what to do anyway I went to Wellington I think in April for Easter and mum noticed that I wasn't like uh, something wasn't up I was like eating a lot of food I was like exercising like three times a day um she's like what's wrong with you like you seem really stressed out and she kind of guessed it she was like oh like something's up something's up and I just told her I was like look I'm really really sorry but 
like I don't think I want to do this PhD anymore and I, I the thing I, I was most scared about was disappointing her yeah. because PhD in my whole entire family it, it will be the highest um, academic achievement in the whole like my whole um, cousin's extended family and I think mum and dad were quite like excited to you know have the daughter that has that high achieving you know degree like we've got doctors and engineers in my family but PhD it's like whoa like she really means business and so I was really disappointed in that I was like disappointed in myself that I'm gonna let my parents down let my family down but in the end I I I just my head wasn't there anymore I, I just I love study but the topic that I had wasn't if I would do a PhD, I would want to choose a topic that I was like really interested in. The topic I had was just because of my master's internship, I kind of got pushed into it. Yep. Not saying that I didn't enjoy it. Like I loved my master's and I loved um, my study and I loved my th- writing my thesis, but I don't think I could love it for another three years. Yeah. And PhD would be completely isolating as well. My master's was just as isolating it, with it being in COVID and your thesis being, you know, your all your written work being by yourself. And I just, I just was kind of like, I don't want to study. I don't want this education right now. And I think I can, I can always come back to it. Like I can always apply for another scholarship. Uh, my supervisor, she did her PhD when she was like 34. So she was like, you're not, you know, this is not an opportunity that you're wasting. You've got so many opportunities in your life. Like we said at the start of the podcast, you know, you never know what's going to get thrown at you. So I made the right, I'm very certain that I made the right, right decision. I wouldn't say it's the right decision because my, my, my dad always says there's no right or wrong decision. It's just how you mm-hmm. kind of make the most of the outcome. So I made the decision that, you know, was right for me. At the time. And yeah, yeah. at the time. Um, so yeah, could have been a doctor in three years, but maybe in a couple of years. Right now I'm really happy working, being at the gym and yeah, just enjoying life. And again, I, have, I thank you for sharing that because I think it's important for our listeners to realize that this is going to happen to a lot of our listeners out there that you're going to be presented with all these amazing and opportunity looks really amazing on paper. Mm. But if it doesn't hit, like you said, hard and mm. head, then, you know, um, who are you digging for? You know, at the end of the day, because it's you it's you that's going to be sitting in that office writing. It's you that's going to be running the research. And if you're not vibing, mm. you're the one that's going to suffer. And, you know, that's, I think Tana has had the same thing as he's thinking about his honors, his honors project, trying to think about what is what actually you really want to do whether it's for the supervisor or whether it's for you what do you want to do Tane? uh so i've had a lot of ideas um going through uni you know whether i was sitting in a lecture and we're talking about some topic and i scribble down something on the side of the pad being like oh that'd be interesting to look into that um so i went through back all my notes and kind of producer told me you know try and look at different areas and see if I could narrow down something that I was interested in and I think the other thing was you know I wanted a supervisor that's really passionate about what I'm wanting to look at because I know you know that's going to be such a crucial contact Mm. that I have throughout my postgrad and so when I was initially looking at it you know I always wanted to go with um, one of our physiology lecturers because he's so passionate about what you're doing Um, he'll run tutorials for you to make sure that you understand the content he'll answer an email at nine o'clock at night he'll you know he'll really go the extra mile and so you know it's just seeing that passion I really wanted to go under it but the more I looked into my notes and what I was interested in the more I seen that what I was interested in doesn't align with you know his area and that was a tough pill to swallow 
you know, I was trying to find a way that I could fit it, but mm. um, I've managed to uh, talk to one of the lecturers that are interested in motor learning and stuff like that. And so we're coming up with a plan at the moment to um, look at uh, critical periods of learning um, in terms of movement and looking at some of the initiatives that we rolled out in schools and stuff like that. And whether, you know, these initiatives that we come up with, whether they're actually crucial um, and how they lead to better physical education in the future, you know, not just this initiative that we roll out for two years and then we move on to another one, mm -hmm. but also, you know, some of these initiatives that rolled out in um, lower decile areas. So, you know, maybe these initiatives are working and the kids in these environments are really passionate about getting more involved, but then they don't have the equipment or they don't have the resources to then go and play the sports or do the activities that they actually want to go and seek. And so, that's something we're trying to figure out and narrow down the question on, but I think it's a really interesting topic and field I'm interested in. Cool, sounds interesting. Yeah, and, and you can just tell, to... just, yeah, sorry, sorry. Oh, it's good to follow what you're passionate about as well, hmm. definitely. Yeah, totally, and, and like and like Lauren said, the passion is coming through pretty clearly, you know, hmm. it's, hmm. which, is, which is really important. Um, talking about passion, you touched on something just very briefly, and I'm gonna bring it up because um, 2020, crazy year for the whole wide world but here you are you are a lesbos instructor mm -hmm. and now you can't be a lesbos instructor because you're locked down what is that like for you or you know how, how did you navigate that world yeah it was a pretty crazy time i remember i was in fourth year so just starting my master's or my postgrad and i was in a really cool flat of girls six of us and it was really scary like i was really really scared because there was just so much unknown going on and all of us we all went back home so I went I went to Wellington and it was I was really like it was me mum and dad and I had the best time in lockdown with them like it was I grew so close with them and we had so much fun but I pretty much developed like a really really bad habit with the exercise during lockdown and because I had really like so much spare time I would just exercise like three or four times a day. So I'd wake oh. up in the morning um, and I didn't have, you know, like the, like the connection of, you know, going to a class and teaching to members. So I felt quite, quite lost. So the only, the best, next, next best thing was a lot of exercise to myself, like with myself. So my routine for pretty much four weeks was, wake up go for a walk with my dog so a 2k walk with my dog walk up mount, mount welling mount victoria sorry every single day walk up mount victoria and i would go like the hard way as well i don't forgot what way it was it was but you enter through like near the liquor land and um the liquor store up that way like a really steep part and sometimes i'd go the opposite way and go by oriental bay and walk up that way every single day and then i'd come home had some breakfast and then do like a hit workout like a grit workout and then that'll be done and then in the evening I'd go for a run or I'd do another workout and that was because I was craving that the same emotions and the same feelings that I got from like a Les Mills class and I didn't have that I think I I oh I did in the in the, in the 2021 lockdown I was able to teach to the live Zoom, um, we did like live stream classes to our members in Christchurch, but we didn't really do them 
too much it was more like the instructors from Auckland that were doing it so I was like craving this like attention or this you know that that connection feeling and so for four weeks I was in that same routine every single day every single day and I lost like a lot of weight and I wasn't unhealthy I mean it wasn't like like I wasn't like super super bad but I was definitely smaller than what I usually am and I came back to Christchurch and you look back at photos and I just look so different like I look quite like a little bit sick but yeah it was a weird time to to navigate through like a really really weird time and it was only like from this year looking back at photos I was like shit and looking back at like how much I exercise compared to what I do now my routine is very balanced I was like whoa that was quite a bad weird time and then as soon as we came back to Christchurch and you know the gyms opened again it just fell back to normal but for that period of like two or three months it was it was really weird I just didn't have a way to you know connect with people I mean I was only living with mum and dad and so it was just like that loss of connection with you know friends um family members the gym community so yeah I I honestly didn't really navigate it too well as I probably should have but now as a two years on I think I would be able to you know go through it a little bit better not exercise as much and I guess the other thing was it was the unknown nobody knew what was gonna happen like everybody Mm. we were told we were all gonna die essentially Mm. (laughs) essentially Mm. it was scary yeah it was very scary and the information nobody 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 in the world knew what was going on so you know you just dealt with it the way you thought okay cool I'm just gonna do this and you know hindsight is amazing hindsight is Mm. you know if we're in hindsight the world is a different place but at that point in time that was your way of coping with whatever was going on whether it was connection or the stress of the unknown right it's just a whole different world so um yeah and you know it's everyone navigated COVID in a very very different way I mean I remember in COVID I was the same I exercised in the morning in the afternoon and at lunchtime and I I got crazy fit I was super super fit I've never been fitter <laughs> in COVID yeah same with me I don't think I was I don't think I was ever as fit as I was in lockdown yeah but unhealthy <laughs> but I wasn't strong there was zero yeah. strong it was just it, yeah. was zero, it was all cardio 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 yeah. cardio which is crazy so um yeah give me 200 burpees done no <laughs> like 200 burpees hell no um but it's so, so crazy how that happens but also the other thing is it's the flip side and I think this is something that you might want to talk about is you know exercise is great but also exercise is sometimes not so good for some people you know there's a there's that fine balance that we speak about about you know exercise versus hey you've got to also have, have rest mm-hmm. and do you see that as an important as an instructor for you i mean you see me coming to class a few times a week mm-hmm. um is it like you know is it where do you sit as a person that actually you've got to just pause and take a break i know you're not a personal trainer at that point mm-hmm. but how do you how, what would you say to people that are listening that go hey you don't have to exercise every single day and it's not don't feel guilty if you don't exercise quite hard because as a group fitness instructor you witness a lot I and mean, there's some girls that come to my classes and they're they're so incredibly thin or they've been doing so many and with sprint you know that you can only do it like a minimum of like two to three times a week and they're coming to like every single sprint class they're coming twice a day and there's only so much you can say as an instructor you know I always reiterate that this kind of training that we do is you know it's high intensity and if you do it too much it's moderate intensity you're not going to recover um but yeah I've definitely different I've definitely struggled to find that balance in the past like I said in COVID and lockdown I didn't have any balance with when it come, came to over exercising and finding a routine but it just comes with time you've got to find 
you know, different ways to move and make yourself feel good. Like you don't have to gym every day. You can, you know, find a sport to do or walking or some sort of martial arts or something. Um, what was the question? I think I went on a little bit of tangent. Yeah, no, that's okay. I guess the question is, you know, for our listeners out there who, you know, exercise movement is important in our lives, mm. but it should be something you do every single day. You need to listen to your body. And, mm. you know, what, what advice would you give someone who's who's got the exercise science background as well? Mm. You know, you can come from that angle there. I think there's different ways of movement as well, you know, not only for your body, but your mind as well. I recently started journaling and meditating, which I think is quite helpful in terms of like psychological um, benefits for the mind and the body. Um, yeah. So it doesn't always have to be, you know, huge movements that are going to leave you like super sweaty. Like I do yoga, I do Pilates, I meditate, I read and yeah, you just got to find what works with you. And it's like movement and exercise is so great, but yeah, there's definitely a fine line of, you know, finding that, balance between the two and you know not overdoing it and i guess everyone's different right? everyone's mm, very different. exactly and, yeah. yeah and the reason that's and important you, i think is because you know in social media we see a lot of people posting up all their stuff and it's easy mm, to copy and paste and do that but mm, you actually hey that's their world mm, it's not it's not your world and it's and you shouldn't be comparing it's it's really hard for young girls as well you shouldn't be comparing you know your body to someone else's body or your exercise routine to someone else's routine like i said to you p i think i said to you maybe earlier last week i was i said to you oh, i'm gonna deactivate my instagram for a bit because i think it was like a few weeks ago i was feeling super super unhealthy about seeing all these tiktok um ads and tiktok adverts and t- content about exercise and looking this way for summer and having this and having that you know you got to look like this to be be this person and i was getting really really sick of all this content and it felt really unhealthy and I was like this is not what I want want to see right now and I said to P I was like I'm going to deactivate my Instagram for a bit because I don't want to see this right now not not saying I was sad or anything I just was like I don't want to see this right now it's, it's not a good way um and so I deactivated my Instagram for a little bit just for a few days just yeah and I think that's really important as well just to have that detox from social media to help that stop that comparison kind of thing which I think is so so common in today's society you know comparing our exercise routine comparing what we eat I had a girl the other day because I have a fitness gram where I post lots of my fitness content and she posted she sent me a message and she said can you post um a full day of what you eat and I was like I'm so sorry like I would never do that and I know some other people do that as well for inspiration but I know for some people it's super triggering seeing every single meal for what someone eats because what I eat is going to be completely different to what someone else's needs are for their body and how much exercise they do and I do not want to start um you know that conversation of comparing I should be eating this much I shouldn't be eating this because she's not eating this like I don't want to be that person so yeah I definitely um recommend for you know young girls or young young boys to take a take a break from tiktok take a break from instagram from social media and um just to help with that you know comparison because it's it can get really really toxic yeah and, and i guess that's the social conscious awareness you know because you could just do that and you'd get lots of followers and you could you could nora would be an amazing it's mm. a fits a fits per person but it's the it's the actual what is the actual ripple effect of me doing this here you know is it, yeah. is it good or bad and you know there's more bad than good that comes out of that there 
Mm, you know, definitely. You have, no, you have no idea because people just see a snippet. They don't yep. know that they, they don't know who Nora is, what Nora mm. actually does. You know, the fact that she's actually got another job. She's not mm. just working the whole time. You know, so that's um, that's awesome that, that you do that there. Um, Nora, we've been speaking for almost an hour now. Wow, um, <laughs> crazy. Um, we could keep delving into lots and lots of areas, but I think um, we will probably start wrapping up now. And the way I like to wrap up this this podcast is um, our podcast is called Baskets of Knowledge. Mm-hmm. And we invite all our guests to give us one piece of knowledge that they'd love our listeners to put into their basket of knowledge through their experiences. Is there anything that you'd like? Well, is there? Could you please share something with us that you think would be through your experiences? Could, it could be anything. Um, I quite liked what Tane was saying, you know, um, bringing it back to being pas- following your passions and, you know, staying true to yourself and also a little bit about me as well. Um, being brave, taking that risk and, you know, being confident. So my basket of knowledge is um, follow your passion, be brave and stay true to yourself. And that's so, so beautiful because a lot of us don't do that. A lot of us are afraid. We, we keep, you know, I, I'm going to go back to what you said before when you were in year six, was it? You were you hid behind mm-hmm. someone. Yeah. A, a lot of us do that, right? We hide behind excuses. We hide behind mm-hmm. other people because we're afraid to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and by being afraid, we're not being our authentic self, you know? Yeah. By doing that, then we never find our passion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that could be as simple as um, wanting to ride a bike, to reading a book, to, mm-hmm. hey, I want to. I want to learn a new language, but I'm mm-hmm. afraid other people are going to think. So that's a, that's a, an amazing learning that I think everyone listening could resonate with. So thank you. And I think that. that was a big part of my PhD, stopping my PhD as well, was um, taking that risk and being brave and staying true to what I thought was right for me. So, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Living example. Tony, any last words from you? No, I just like, yeah, I like the notion of being brave, especially, you know, as we... I guess linking back to this whole idea of, you know, like everyone's got a different way of doing things. And, you know, I think that's probably something I learned, you know, growing up with always having rugby and rugby league in my background. You know, now I, you know, I've started running this year, which I've never really done. And, you know, I go and play badminton with one of my mates and, you know, all these different ways that we can, you know, still get the benefits and reap the benefits, but doing it in different ways. And I think that's something, you know, you've got to do as you get further in life, because otherwise it just becomes... The same old routine which you know routine is good but it's also it stops your curiosity and it stops you from you know going out and finding a new passion yeah awesome i think that's that's really quite true and you don't know what you don't know i mean i if i hadn't gone to a sprint class all those years ago i would never have met Nora. if i had never you know asked you those questions tane at, at school and hey kept in touch with you we would never have known what, this would never have happened you know if we had just stopped and said no we're not going to do a podcast you know, so being brave ex- goes to every single aspect of your of your life, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. Um, Laura, thank you so much for being on today. Um, really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I've learned a lot about you as a person, so thank you for that there. No worries. Um, Thanks for having me. I loved it. No worries. And for listeners out there, um, thank you for listening in. If you are in Christchurch, go along to Nora's classes because she's pretty, pretty amazing. If you're not in, in Christchurch, well, hard lucks. But um, <laughs> thank you for listening to us. And as always, hopefully you find something that you can put into your basket of knowledge. And if not, like I always say, why not have a listen to the podcast again and you'll find something. Um, till next time, keep well, keep safe, and keep putting something into your basket of knowledge. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Baskets of Knowledge. Yeah, we hope that you found something useful to put into your Baskets of Knowledge. And as we said before, 
remember to put something little into your baskets of knowledge every week. And as always, feel free to like, comment and share this podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you.